Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.34 in Edmonton momentarily. We'll bring aboard Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. I want to read this text from Sean on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, regarding Michael Jordan and some people dissing him, we here in Edmonton had the greatest hockey player ever, but Wayne Gretzky was and is a sports superstar anomaly. To be the greatest is to know it and demand only the best of yourself and your teammates. That Gretzky never called out his mates is a testament to his natural grace. For Michael Jordan to call out his is due to being a superstar. Jordan's actions are more, far more understandable than Gretzky's, so give Michael a break. He's simply a natural superstar. That's one perspective. I mean, Sean, I I like Michael Jordan more after watching episode seven and episode eight of uh, of Last Dance. It's been a, an incredible uh, series, and we don't know everything that. I, I, again, I, I can't reiterate this point more with you. I just know that since Wayne has returned uh, to the Oilers organization, sort of in a executive role, and I had one of the players say to it. To me, you know, he treats me the same way he treats Connor McDavid. And Jack Michaels, who will join us on Friday, be the first to tell you, he treats Jack and me the same way he treats Ken Holland. That's just who Wayne is. He's that guy. In Michael Jordan's case, I, I love the passion that he had. Some of you didn't like that I used the term ultimate sacrifice. I said ultimate sacrifice as a teammate for those that want to get into semantics. Without further ado, in this highly politically charged time, we welcome back to the show Brian Lott, who's our headliner today for touchback safety. Touchback remains open for training and taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Brian, before we get to the draft and whether or not the league's going to fire up again and all that kind of stuff, last dance. Have you been watching it? I have. What are your excellent. thoughts? Excellent. Uh, yeah. It's excellent. It's amazing. It's interesting, some of the things I don't recall as well, the whole Scotty Pippen incident, uh, Scotty not wanting to have a surgery over the summer. Right. Because <laughs> he didn't want to ruin his summer. Uh, the way that um, Michael called out some of his teammates. I've since come to know some people that, that knew Michael and worked with Michael, and every single one of them 
says the same thing. Just one of the most competitive animals on the planet, this guy. Just the way it didn't matter if it was ping pong or tic-tac-toe or basketball. He just absolutely wanted to win at everything. Um, I asked Alexis Lafreniere the other day. I interviewed him for a draft series on NHL Network. And I asked him who the most competitive athlete he was, who he thought was in the world. And he said, unquestionably, Michael Jordan. That kind of surprised me about a hockey player from Quebec. Right. But it was really, really interesting. He's following the series as well, as are so many other people. So it's certainly fresh in his mind. I brought him back to competitive players in today's game, and he quickly cited Jonathan Taves, Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid, Edmonton fans might want to know. Well, it's interesting with Connor because I have a theory on Wayne and Connor. Like, you played against Wayne, and Wayne didn't mind putting the boots to you when he played. Like, the joy that he would uh, show scoring a goal in a 7-3 game or 8-3 game for the Oilers, and they were completely capable of doing it. In fact, they often did it against your team, Brian, when you played with Minnesota. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne loved it, and my theory on this is that there were non-believers in Wayne. Okay, when he first came to the NHL, the Toronto writers, a couple of them, not all of them, but a couple of them, ah, he's too small, he's going to get eaten up by the National Hockey League when the Oilers came in from the World Hockey Association, and of course, Gretzky's rookie year, he tied for the scoring race, and he didn't, he didn't win the Art Ross because Marcel Dion scored more goals. And then he separated himself. You know, he's got more assists than any other player has points in NHL history. But Wayne, like Wayne, was driven too. And I, and which is not to say Connor isn't driven, but Connor is almost embarrassed. Like there have been times where the Oilers have been up, uh, not often, but there have been times, Brian, where they've been up six or seven two, and he scores and finishes a playoff, and he's kind of understated. In terms of how, and maybe it's also generational. Maybe, like, you watch Team Canada from like 85 when they're blitzing a team versus now, you know, they're much more uh, reluctant to show too much emotion when the game gets up there. Have you ever noticed that about maybe the difference between Wayne and the difference between Connor? I have definitely noticed times when Connor will do something truly amazing and he looks like perhaps for just a millisecond that he's uncomfortable or embarrassed with it. Yeah. I really truly have. I've had that thought watching him thinking, wow, that's, that's really incredible. In a world where, you know, it can go one of two ways, we do have these incredible, uh, some people from my era would say over-the-top celebrations. I don't think they're over-the-top personally. Uh, I like it. It shows personality. If you know the players the way you do, Bob, and I do, most of these guys are pretty good guys. And, and it's it's just ribbing, if anything at all. But it's not meant maliciously. Um, and I love that about the game. Yeah. I really, truly do. I hope Alex Ovechkin is celebrating every goal he scores until the day he retires, the way he has throughout the first 15-plus years almost of his career. Well, it's funny because there was one goal this year that Connor, I thought, showed a lot of energy and it was a little bit, you know, uh, maybe a little bit out of character for him. That was the goal in Toronto. And he'd not scored yeah. in a regular season game in Toronto. And, uh, you know, he addressed Morgan Riley and then just a ridiculous, it's the goal of the year in the NHL. 
and he reacted yeah. a little to it. And then Morgan Riley went right at him in the next shift. And, I mean, hard at him. And I'm telling you, I'm 50. And if I'd been on the ice and been Connor's teammate, I would have two-handed Morgan Riley right across the wrist for doing it. You know what I mean? Like, he went right back at him and got right in his grill. And I was, and, and there's therein lies the difference. If you'd done that in the mid-'80s to Wayne Gretzky, somebody would have done that. That generation of players, and the Oilers had enough guys to do it, somebody would have come back at you in two-hand. You'd have right across the wrist. Uh, but, I, I, you know, Morgan Riley was upset. He got embarrassed and went right back in Connor's grill after the goal. But Connor did. He showed a little bit of emotion on that one, right? That was that was interesting to me. So interesting stuff. Let's get to. Uh, we'll get to the draft in a second. You you brought up Lafreniere. Uh, just in terms of the league, Gary Bettman saying, you know what, going to do whatever's possible to keep playing. You know they're evaluating respective markets at this time. And again, it's incumbent upon a commissioner of a league to try to keep the dream alive, isn't it? Uh, it is. Gary's an optimist, and, and he has to be. That's part of his job. It's also part of his DNA. He always believes things are going to work out. And uh, who's to say they're not? We could get a vaccine tomorrow, for all we know, and then all the hard work and planning that they're doing would immediately be needed. Is it a possibility that it may not be needed? Yes. But the alternative of doing nothing, uh, I don't think that's an option for the NHL. They're going to be prepared for anything, and if they get even just the tiniest of windows, but a green light to get this league going again, I believe they will. All right. Uh, you're working on the draft. Um, we saw Lafreniere here at Edmonton a couple of years ago at the Holinka Gretzky tournament. Very special player. Uh, Brian, if we're up and running next year, I'm going to make a prediction. He will uh, nearly double the point count. He's an older kid. He's a thicker kid. He'll he'll double the point. I'm not going to say he's going to be twice as good long-term as Jack Hughes, but he, in my mind, he's better positioned to have success uh, than Jack Hughes out of the gate. What have you seen in Lafreniere so far? Uh, I see a guy that's engine is always revving at the highest possible level. He's kind of like a shark. He's just lurking at all times, and he's got the ability, uh, the intellect, the strength, to capitalize very quickly on whatever happens on the ice. And that's what separates him. He could, he's not going to score the way Ovechkin has in terms yep. of goals, in my opinion, even though he scored 30, 40 as like a 15 year old his first year in, in the queue. Um, but he's more of a guy that, uh, for me, I asked him who he kind of looks at and says he'd like to be like or steals part of his name from. He said Nico Rantanen bigger body guy that can make interesting consistently yeah it was interesting i i wasn't necessarily uh thinking that but um that's what he felt i i've got him more as a bigger version of like a kucherov or panarin maybe not as much high-end skill but a guy that's going to set up a lot of plays in terms of points bob i think you're dead on my uh, over-under for Jack Hughes last year was 35 points, and people scoffed at me and said, that's ridiculous, Brian. He'll get way more than that. And I just said, I don't think so. I think he's a great prospect, but without any transition coming into the league with his size and strength, it's going to be an issue. Uh, people forget Joe Thornton had, what, like 12 points his first year in the NHL, right. so it's not a – definitive you're never going to be a scorer there's just a transition period in jack's case 
I think he got a full dose of it this year. In Lafreniere's case, I would say that number is closer to 57 or 58. I'm with you. For the over-under. I absolutely believe that. Bob, just watching him, um, the way he conducts himself, uh, obviously had a tremendous World Junior Tournament, but uh, also led all CHL players in points per game at 2.15. He'd be only the second player in the history of the CHL to win their player a year award as a essentially, he is a year older with the late birthday, but only Sidney Crosby had won it twice um, prior to being drafted. So uh, pretty lofty company. Uh, he really impressed me. Whoever gets him, uh, it's always, you know, amongst GMs, there's always that talk, and the Oilers have experienced this with Taylor Hall and Yakupov, that they're only a winger, so they won't drive the game that much. I don't think that's the case with Lafreniere. I think he's going to drive a lot of offense and uh, has a, a chance to be as just a shade under impactful as Alex Ovechkin has been. Yeah, I uh, look, uh, Taylor Hall's numbers, every advanced analytic you'd come across would suggest five on five. He does drive play. Uh, Neil Yakupov, a lot of people missed on him, including me. I thought he was going to be, you know, I thought he had a chance if he applied himself to be an, uh, you know, a Valerie Harlamov type of player, and it never ultimately came to fruition. So I was wrong on that one. I was right on dry settle. You get one right once in a while. Uh, Just a a little bit, uh, you mentioned uh, Hughes, 21 points, minus 26 this year in what was a trying year in New Jersey. I'm going to say something, Brian. Um, Your former executive GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, you ran Octagon. There was a time, and I'm from Western Canada, uh, and I was not good enough at 16 and 17 to play in the Western Hockey League, okay? There was a time that I believe the Western Hockey League was the strongest and toughest of the three leagues. Uh, this show is called Oilers Now. Uh, the Oilers Entertainment Group, uh, you know, is the rights uh, with, with Chorus to host the show. I work for OEG. There's 22 teams in the WHL. It is not as tough to play in the WHL as it was 25 years ago. Conversely, I actually think, and I've said this before, that players in the there, there is they are underrated players in the Quebec League. That there is still some perceptions and bias that everybody from the West is tough, and everybody from the Quebec League is soft, and that is simply wrong. There is lots of teams in the West, 22 teams. Uh, the Quebec League's got 18 teams. And I think they're producing some pretty good players. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Uh, absolutely agree. We did a little trivia with Alexei on the air, and uh, he was pretty good. He knows the history of that league well. I asked him who other you know, top Quebec League players were to go first overall. Uh, obviously, Fleury, Crosby, and LeCavier come to mind right away. Um, I asked him about the Michelle... Briere Trophy, which he won for the outstanding player in the queue. And he knew the history of that, too. Uh, I think that it's a fallacy in today's world. Not that many years ago, it was really, really uh, thought of absolute fact that playing in the Quebec League because of the points was a lot easier than the other leagues. But I agree with you. I think it's flattened out. Uh, I think everybody's moved closer together in the hockey world in general and uh, it's no longer the case. Uh, this guy's a dynamite player. It doesn't matter where he played. He, he's going to be really effective with men. I don't have any doubt about that. 
Well, the WHL showing at the Memorial Cup, only the Edmonton Oil Kings in uh, 2014, since 2009, have won the Memorial Cup. So, And there is a while uh, for about a 25-year stretch where the WHL won two out of three uh, Memorial Cup championships and the amount of teams in the league. I mean, it just makes sense, right? Like you had fewer teams in the Western League. Uh, the trade deadline was pushed further. It was, was closer to March than it was to January. And... Uh, a different time for sure. And, and when it comes to the Quebec League, I mean, I was a Gila Fleur fan as a kid, Brian. Gila Fleur, Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, those are three of the greatest players of all time. Like, those are three of the top ten players, I believe, in NHL history. So that league has produced some great, great players. This guy's going to be special. The guy that I would take number two may not end up going number two. You also talked to him, Quinton Byfield. What were your impressions of him? Uh, Quinton's on the other end of the spectrum in terms of age, next to Lafreniere, in, uh, in terms of uh, a, almost a full year difference. It's easy to forget that with Byfield because he's a monster of a young man at uh, about six four and a half, two hundred and fifteen 215 pounds. Uh, I love where he's at. Um, I don't know if it would be best because he is younger to play next year in the league. Uh, I think if this guy somehow plays one more year or junior, he will be a dominant player the following year in the NHL. I think that's going to be hard to do just by virtue of how the league has turned towards youth. And depending upon who drafts him, I do think he'll go second overall. I think after that, it's all bets off for the draft, although I certainly have uh, been impressed with Tim Stutzla as well as Jamie uh, Drysdale for that matter. But uh, Byfield, I, I don't think anybody will have the gumption, and it may be wrong, to take him over Alexei. But uh, yeah. at the end of the day, I think it's kind of one of those situations where you have Ovechkin, Malkin, um, just two great guys at the top of the draft, and you really can't lose either way. Now, the one thing I heard from guys that skated with him in Ontario, and, and I'll never forget Derek Roy telling me this, Brian, back in 20, uh, Derek was with the Oilers in the 14-15 season, and I told him that uh, we were in Pittsburgh, and I told him I was driving to Erie to go see Chris Knobloch and see the, the Otters play and to see McDavid play, and, and Derek looked at me and said, Bob, Connor McDavid would be a 75-point score in the NHL right now. And I go, you mean next year? And he goes, no, this year, a year ahead of his draft year. Like, on our team right now, he would be a 75-point scorer in the league. That's okay. I skated with him. And the one thing I heard about Byfield is for a big man, he can really skate. Uh, no doubt about it. His straight-line speed is, is excellent. Um, the only criticism I could uncover, and, and I'm looking for all the good points on these kids, but I'm also looking for any areas of game that they need to improve upon. Uh, he's not considered overly physical for a guy his size. He can be on the wrong side of the puck at times. These are all things that would not concern me a bit if I was looking at him. I don't see anything that uh, isn't correctable. Uh, I see a young guy that's getting better just learning the game, has a high IQ, can really move, has got an excellent shot. There's just a lot to like about with Quinton Byfield. Brian, i got to get to a text here. Uh, and somebody's saying, uh, uh, Brian, we're going to leave you with this, okay? I never liked Lawton as a player or a team executive. I like him on Oilers now. He is a keeper. That one comes, <laughs> that, that, that one comes, 
There you go. An excellent scout, then tell them hey, you, the Oilers should hire them. They're a good scout. <laughs> Be a good scout. Oh, awesome stuff. Gotta laugh at ourselves sometimes, don't we? Uh, if you can't, you're missing something in life. I think it's called humility. Yeah, on a nearly minute by minute basis in the Stoffer household, I can tell you that. Thanks, Brian. Great stuff. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. You bet. Uh, and that text, by the way, uh, comes to us from Einstein's brain. Uh, that text here. It is 12.53 at Edmonton. That made me chuckle. We're going to take a time out. You're listening to Oilers now. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30. Chet. 12.55 at Edmonton, and the timing of that could not have worked out better. This text comes in saying, Bob, Alexis Lafreniere is Tavares on the wing. The Oilers in that game that Connor McDavid scored the goal. You can watch the opening shift of the game. James Neal pounded, and I mean pounded, targeted John Tavares with two huge hits in that game. He also got Tom Wilson and helped turn the momentum around with a big hit against the Washington Capitals. Um, I think Lafreniere skates better than Tavares, and I think he's a little bit bigger. What about you, Brendan? Yeah, that was immediately popped to my mind. Is is here's a guy who I assume is a franchise centerman in the eyes of most teams because of his size in addition to that skill. I don't really see the parallel with Tavares yeah. there. Yeah, like uh, I, you know who I, I think I think Lafreniere is going to be a better version of Claude Giroux, who's an ultra competitive player. We've heard Todd McClellan talk about that in the past. Uh, you know, I think he's pretty good. I think he's really good. I think we saw it if you watch the World Juniors. And again, for everybody that saw the Holinka Gretzky at Edmonton a couple of years ago, he was Canada's best player. Like, there there was no question. Uh, Brian Lott was our Oilers Now headliner, brought to you by Touchback Safety. Touchback remains open for training and taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Do you want to mention all season long, uh, the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Our Ashley Fine Floors text line still to come on today's show. Um, hmm. Uh, still to come on today's show, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey and John Shannon. Oilers GM has texted the show to say, Bob, Brian Lott mentioned Vincent LeCavier. That's who I would compare Alexis Lafreniere to. Another uh, uh, French-Canadian gritty player from Oilers GM. And we all remember LeCavier squaring up with Jerome Ginla in the uh, 2004 Stanley Cup Final. And by the way, you know what? We talk a lot about Game 5 against Anaheim in 2017 in round 2. Calgary was quite unlucky not to have won the Stanley Cup Game 6 in Calgary. That that should be mentioned. I don't know about you guys, but unless there was an optical illusion on that shot, little bit of controversy there, to say the least. You can keep texting us right now. Though, oh, one more. Somebody wanted to talk about Yakupov and the celebration and being overly enthusiastic and that one was, you know, it, it was youthful. Um, I know the L.A. Kings had a lot of fun with that. They only ran it on their scoreboard every time the Oilers played there for about the next, well, as long as Yakupov was with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. 12.58 in Edmonton, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Uh, thorough coverage throughout the day on COVID-19 and the pandemic with Eileen on the half hours and at 2 o'clock, uh, picking it up with Jalen Nye and the 6.30 Jed Afternoons.
Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.